1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigginton. I happened to run into Jordan Packer when I was at an AWS event down at FabTech and heard a bit about his story and experience competing and bringing home the bronze medal at World Skills this past year. I needed to hear more, so we sat down for a chat where he talks about the training process leading up to World Skills. He also gives us a little insight about what the process of competing is like and what he's planning on doing. In the future, we both agreed that we need to do all we can to shine a light on these competitions to show future generations that welding really can take you all over the world. Do you want to introduce yourself to the audience if they're not familiar with who you are and what you do? My name is Jordan Packer. I'm the World Skills competitor for the
0: United States this year. I competed in World Skills Special Edition 2022 and took the bronze medal home.
1: We met down at Fabtech and I'm very passionate about what you've just done, just because anytime someone represents our country doing anything, but especially like in the trade that we're in, I think that's amazing. And I think that people should know. It kind of hurt my heart that it wasn't as receptive as I think it should be. I think that everybody in the welding world should be like, this kid just did something nobody else has done. There's not many people out there that have done what you have done. And it is very impressive to me. When it comes to world skills, like when did you start training for this competition? So, for world
0: skills specifically, I started training in August of 2021. I had been competing before that. I had to win my state competition and then go to nationals. But for world skills level, August. Let's backtrack then.
1: You competed on just Skills USA first?
0: Yes, I've been competing in Skills USA since my sophomore year of high school, so about 8 years to get to compete at World Skills. You have to compete in the trials process to be invited into the trials process. You have to win your state competition and go to nationals.
1: If there's people listening to this podcast in welding school and they want to compete, what is the first process? How do you even get into Skills USA? You
0: have to go to a school that is registered with the SkillsUSA in your state. And then normally my school, USU Eastern, we competed within ourselves to pick our representative. That was a a series of competitions against my classmates to pick if I went to state for our school and then they have a state competition. There's usually not really any like regional competitions. It's just kind of everybody over the state goes to state and competes in your specific age group. And then you get to go compete at state. state in my nationals year was virtual, so it was a little bit weird. It's the first time they've done virtual. Got to
1: roll with the punches, right? Yeah. When you're competing, if someone's not familiar with the process of what competing at a skills event is, what does it consist of? Typically, they have at least two projects that you have a specific set time
0: range that you can weld those projects in. They have rotations for each process, so flux core stick, make and take, and then you have that project. We call them widgets i call them widgets you just get sent out with a blueprint and a pile of plate and you have to build it to the blueprint using whatever process that you start out on Say my first rotation was stick, I would have to tack that project up with stick and finish my stick welds in say 15 minutes. And then we rotate to your next process. So usually they have a steel project and then an aluminum project. Sometimes they split it to where they have a project for each process. It just kind of depends on how much funding the, the venue
1: has. The difference between Skills USA and the world skills, what was the jump like for you?
0: The jump from National Skills USA to World Skills is trying to send a brand new welder out on the mainline pipe, trying to keep up with a fire line. There's not really any comparison. We're trying to fix that so that it's a little bit closer, but World Skills, your criteria is so strict. Nationals is graded to like a D11, and just the gap between D11 and World Skills criteria, there's no comparison. Like, yeah. It's insane.
1: I was listening to Jason Becker on Arc Junkies. He was talking to, some people that were there at the competition kind of talking about the different parameters you have to stay in how much variation can your weld size have they have a bunch of
0: criteria corner joints are set in one and then you've got your fillet welds and you have got your butt joints so for example like my butt joints i can have two millimeters of bead width variation and then i have a millimeter and a half of height variation but that's throughout the whole weld correct? That's throughout the whole weld. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's something that I feel like people need to really understand is that you're running this entire weld and throughout the whole thing, it cannot vary. Those are very tiny numbers we're talking about. What What did you do to to dial that in? What kind of exercises were you doing to try to work on your weld size variation, getting that consistency down? All of it
0: comes down to prep. The better your preparation, the better your weld is going to turn out. So I have a set of calipers in my booth, And I measure my groove variation before I even start welding. And if it's not within that two millimeters, then my weld's not going to be within that two millimeters. You have to make sure that your prep is perfect every single time. Each gap that I put in my plates is calipered out and I have to be within a thousand. That was my set limit of what variation I could have before I even start welding. And then while you're welding, you have to be so laser focused on that toe of the weld and making sure that it's going where you want it to go.
1: So that's a big thing that people learning to weld, it's hard for people to grasp what they're supposed to be looking at. So when you're looking at the puddle, just from your experience... When you are watching your puddle, especially on stick, what are your indicators to really show you when it's flushing out or when you need to slow down, speed up? Your travel speed must be absolutely consistent to keep this weld. But what are the type of things that when you were learning and prepping for this, what were things that really jumped out in your mind that really helped you control the puddle and really understand what you were looking at?
0: A lot of people, when they first start at welding, they're looking at the arc and they, the bright light, they're, they're focused on the bright light. Or like bugs. You have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to look past that and look at your puddle and the toes, your welds and the, the rear of your puddle solidifying. So like with stick, you have to be able to see the difference between the slag, the molten slag on top of your puddle and your puddle actually solidifying. You can kind of see like a turbulence in the puddle and you kind of judge everything off of that turbulence. Some people call it like the dancing man. You can tell when you're out of the parameters that you need to be in after having as much art time as I have. You just know.
1: How many hours do you think that you practice throughout your entire career of competing?
0: I'd say even with the three month break that I had in between March and July, I was still an average of 70 hours a week. I mean, that's a year of 70 hours a week I don't even, I don't even, I could capture that. That's a lot. That's really a lot. Should. It's yeah.
1: thousands and thousands of, of hours that you've spent yeah. under the hood. And I feel like that's something that people don't understand when they're trying to get better. You know, everyone thinks there's just this magic switch that flips. And a lot of times that is just kind of a new understanding you gain from what you're watching and doing. But the arc time is the most important thing you could do to get better. Being under the gun too, to just constantly practice, constantly be perfect. That's going to make you not only a better welder, your determination as a human is much higher than most people, I would guess. Here we are. I've got to put in that many hours, you know. It's going to translate to industry. There's a huge shortage of welders right now, but someone like yourself that's like, yeah, I'll go out and work 70 hours a week. That's nothing. You should have seen my last job, you know. <laughs> it's like... Exactly. Yep. <laughs> So you go to Lincoln Electric for the World Skills this year. What was the vibe when you walked in? You kind of walk in and you're, you don't
0: really know what to expect. You know all the other countries that are your main competition. And so you're kind of watching them, seeing what they're doing. I was watching them and they come off as, we're here to compete. We're here to take this, mm-hmm. which is really good to have. But then you get Japan, which is also a really good competition. He's smiling. I don't think I saw him once where he wasn't a big old grin on his face talking to people. I didn't know what to expect, but I was, it was just another day showing up because of the training that I put in. It's just another, weld. it's just another day in the booth. Just so another
1: widget, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. Just another pressure vessel. Let's get it done.
1: When you're competing, what is the time frame you have to do all of this? For this year, I was training to
0: an 18-hour time limit. They actually upped it a couple days before the competition to a 20-hour time limit. And they split that over four days, six hours the first and the second day, and then four hours to the last two. So as long as you're completed within that 20 hours, you're good.
1: When you're doing structural plate tests and all that kind of stuff, if you get your fit up done and you leave it over time, you know, that can start shrinking in your gap and everything. Did you ever have to leave stuff overnight and then deal with shrinkage the next day? not on my module one so module one is
0: the test plates that only takes me I set aside about five hours for that and since we had six hours the first day I was able to get that done but like my pressure vessel I trained to where I would just weld an entire vessel out and so all my settings are set for a preheated vessel I had to adjust during competition because I had to let it sit overnight and then go back and cap with a hotter setting but that comes back to watching the puddle knowing what you're looking for so you have to adjust maybe a couple volts or a couple inches a minute. It comes down to you as the welder to know.
1: When you're training for this, who did you work with your training for this event? So through the trials process,
0: I worked with my school, Utah State University Eastern. And then I continued to work with them, but I also worked with previous competitors. So Ray Connolly, he was the 99 competitor. He took gold in Canada. And then Chandler Vinson, I worked with a lot. I actually moved up to his shop and practiced with him. He was 2017 in Abu Dhabi. And then you said before, there's very few people that have done what I've done. And every single one of them is in it to help the next competitor i've got phone numbers from all of the competitors since what 93 92
1: chandler i mean i had a ton of one-on-one time with chandler and then my instructors you know other countries, they invest in their competitors. They're like putting them up with a place to stay, feeding them, you know, giving them the bare essentials of what you need to live, correct? America, I don't understand how we fall short on that, but what was that experience like? Your whole training process, you're having to train nonstop every day. How did you get by? Savings account. <laughs> through the trials, they don't really have any support
0: for you. And um, once you're the U.S. competitor, they have some more support for you. But through the trials, you kind. I have to make your own way, work weekends, make your own way. Like my material, I was lucky enough to get my material sponsored and have access to a shop and have access to free shielding gas and wire and all that. But like living expenses, um, I had to come up with somehow and that's with school and 70 hours a week of practice. So, you know, you're, you're just going 24-7. 24-7.
1: Throughout this whole process, so you said you're a, a student at Utah State University Eastern. You're a student at the same time you're doing all this. So are mm-hmm. you just a student in the welding program or do you have like gen eds that you got to keep covered too? I had gen eds too. I took about six or seven credits while I was
0: training. So it's not a ton, but also you can't show up to class.
1: I, I'll be online yeah. for this, you know, just <laughs> exactly just pipe me in from my welding booth and I'll I'll, I'll pay attention. But
0: yep. <laughs> you got your headphones in, you're listening to class while you're welding. That's that's how it goes.
1: That's insane, man. What classes were you taking during this whole process?
0: Like this semester when I was competing in world skills, I was taking a math class and a 3D modeling class. Before that, like a personal finance, I think I took another math class. I mean, basically, I would email my teachers at the beginning of the semester and just be like, I'll see you at the end. (laughs) Like,
1: I'll be there on test days, but uh, other days I'm going to be just piped in. That's crazy. The pandemic really kind of changed in education in general was that virtual Mm -hmm. learning became more accessible and more widespread. Did that kind of help you in this process where it was a lot easier? The teachers, were they more open to working with you from a distance? I mean, Chandler came from Utah State, too, um, so they already kind
0: of know the deal. But there's only so many Zoom classes that I can log into. There's only so much focus I can put on two things at once, you know. It's either I'm welding or I'm in class, and there's not really an in-between. My teachers were super great, and I really appreciate all that they did to work with me.
1: That must have been just tricky. Are you still in school, or have you graduated by now? I am still in school.
0: I've got about one more semester for my associate's degree, and then I'll be going on for bachelor's.
1: Your journey is going to be different, that's for sure. At least it'll probably be a normal learning experience from now on that you're not training nonstop. Are you still welding all the time? Like, are you still working on stuff all the time? I have not touched a welder.
0: Like, I've not struck an arc since last week. And last week was the first time I'd struck an arc
1: in four weeks. got to get that hood time. If you don't use it, you lose it, man. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. What's your ideal future looking like? I keep getting that
0: question, and I don't have a good answer for it. After competing in world skills, there's so many opportunities to go for. Lincoln Electric's offered me a job, Miller Electric, you know, and I've got a scholarship now that I get to use. I mean, I just started a business, started that going, so I can kind of get some experience in running a business while i'm going to school what's your business called kickstart welding and fabrication
1: what do you want to do with your company right
0: now we're doing like a mobile welding and then any basic fabrication projects that you need so handrail hard facing on buckets repair mobile repair semi-trailer repair basically anything i can get my hands on right now in the future i'd like to get super specialized into laser cutting and then do maybe see if i can get into electron beam welding that sort of specialized tell me about that man i don't even know what that is. <laughs> uh, electron beam welding. There's like 3,500 units in the world right now of electron beam welders, mainly used for aerospace. I was talking to a guy that actually designed like a nose cone on the rocket that just went to the moon. I was talking to him and he was telling me about how all of that nose cone is electron beam welded and it's titanium. Pretty insane, really cool stuff that you can do with electron beam.
1: My favorite part about podcasts is I always learn something new every single time. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. There's so much in the welding world. It's impossible to know it all. And if you say you know it all, you're crazy. (laughs) <laughs> you must be insane if you know it all because there's too much to fit in one head. The more you know, the less you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Post competing, you said you got opportunities from Lincoln Electric and Miller. What kind of opportunities have you been presented with? Let's put it in
0: perspective of world skills. So I was at World Skills at the award ceremony, and the COO of Lincoln Electric. He walked up to me, gave me a business card, and basically said, anytime, anywhere, give me a call and we'll get you a job. The opportunities as a world skill competitor, you get people from a multi- billion dollar company walking up to you with their personal phone number saying, here you go. Whatever you want. Come
1: on, man. (laughs) The thing that I really wanted to touch on, what we talked about when we were at the AWS meetup was Mm. just the fact that there's not a lot of press, not a lot of people know about this. How would you go about getting out the word about this competition? What would you wish you would have seen? So I didn't know anything about world skills until I showed up to USU
0: Eastern. And they kind of have a group of schools that compete every year in trials that are always in the trials process. So it's between Utah State University Eastern and Washtenaw in Michigan. Those are the two that like Washtenaw was the one I was worried about when I was competing They didn't actually compete this year, but like, you know, the schools that are like, yeah, they know how to weld, but we're trying right now the committee. So we have a AWS committee that is over world skills. We're going to have a meeting in January to talk about how to get the word out more, but like podcasts like this help a ton to get people into it and to know about it. Many social media coverage of people that actually show up to the competition and see and they can show what we're actually doing. Jody from welding tips and tricks put out a video Of world skills this year. So there's that or state competitions and national competitions. We need to get a meeting together where we're telling these kids where they can go and get them excited about it and tell them what kind of opportunities come from it. The greater pool that we can bring into the trials process, the greater the competition is going to be at world skills. So the higher we can raise our bar lower at the lower end at the state end, the higher we can raise our bar at the top end.
1: I wish that you would have been able, because it was supposed to be over in China this year, correct? Yeah, so China, China. That would have been awesome to go over and travel. But, you know, that's a thing about doing competitions and welding in general. It'll take you all over the world if you let it. If you want it, it's there. That's something that just is fascinating to me. And I think kids in school should know, you know, if you want to compete, it'll take you places. If you want to compete on a world level, there's a lot of work that goes into it. But man, you can see some cool stuff. That was one thing that just really struck my heart while we were down there. I was like, man, whatever I can do to try to put the word out, I'm going to try to do. Specifically for you who has gone through this process, people need to know your name. People need to know your skill level and people need to know what you've done for our country. You know, what do your friends think? about this you're just like yeah i'm going to represent america at this (laughs) like doing welded. are your friends welders are you friends with people that aren't even in the industry like what what is your social like like I know you didn't have much time. I I know. I was like, I just (laughs) thought about it. I was like, well, it doesn't really seem like you might have that much, but you got friends and you got people that you talk to on a day-to-day basis. You know, what did they think about this whole process? I've got a really tight knit group of people. I'm really careful with who I surround myself with.
0: That tight knit group, they're not welders. Um, (laughs) I've got like two people, two or three people that are my inner circle that aren't welders. And so the the non-welders, they're like, so what are you doing and why are you spending so much time like can you hang out today like why is this such a big deal and then like the welder friends they you don't get it until you compete or you see someone compete when my classmates walk into the school and they see me at 6 a.m in the booth welding and they leave at 6 p.m and i'm still in the booth welding haven't left then they start to understand what we're doing but there's no social life tell your friends that you can't hang out and you're a hundred percent committed into this competition. You know, they're like, yeah, cool. But like, when are we going to hang out? You know,
1: you're like, when I win, when I come back yeah. with the medal, we'll hang out, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what I said. And that's what you did. Like you came back with a medal and you're like, all right, it's time to hang out and have some fun. Finally <laughs> in Utah, what do you do outside of school? Like, what are your favorite things to do? Cause you got to have a break from welding sometime. What do you do outside of the welding world? Trucks
0: and guns. That's pretty much my story. Hunting. Taking my truck getting it stuck in the mud, you know, bonfires, you know. Typical redneck. I don't know if it's technically redneck, but that's what most city people will say is it's redneck, but country stuff.
1: When you're a welder, if you like doing country stuff, cool thing is is you can make all your accessories. So have you made yourself a brush guard for your truck yet? I haven't jumped on that bandwagon yet. Come on, man. Nine, man. <laughs> hey, you got it now. You got time now. We're just getting started, man. Are you going to be part of training the next people to compete? Is that something that is going to be in your back pocket that you want to focus on doing? 100%,
0: 150%. Once you compete, you're on the AWS Committee for Life. You are a lifer. And I'm 100% on the bandwagon of making our next competitor better than I ever was. Chandler's been doing it, and they're kind of at a midpoint where we're passing it from the 90s generation down to me and Chandler. And I'm hoping that me and Chandler can make it a better process. Not that it's a bad process, but if we can up our game to even like a fifth of what the Koreans and the Japanese and the Chinese put into it, we can take it easy. I was within seven points of taking gold and I've only been training for the last year or so. And I've had a lot of hurdles in between. But if we had a dedicated year, what I, I don't have to worry about material or money or living expenses.
1: You've got not just the big machine manufacturers and people like that. There's the AWS. There are all these welding companies, you know, it's like they sponsor people with clothes and stuff to wear it on social media. I think that would be a market to really hit is like, yo, you know, you're sponsoring all these people to just promote your product, you should put it behind putting our country on the stage in the welding world. It's the Olympics. Why would we not put
0: in as much investment into that one person as we possibly could? You and,
1: know? Yeah. Competitions on a world level is is not anything to bat an eye at. And I feel like we should invest in it, you know, uh, yeah. that, and that will help people. I talk to people a lot about getting people from your generation into the trade because it's a dire need right now. And trying to show people all these different opportunities you can have, they're never going to know about unless they're deep in the welding community, like deep in the welding community, not not just like surface welder. Like you got to be deep to understand what's going on when you're in high school. It's like, hey, if you want to represent our country at something, welding is something you could do it at. And even, I mean, I didn't even know there was the world skills is not just welding. It's all these traits and just putting that competition in front of people, I feel like would really get people interested, give them something to live for. I feel like that's a big part about competing. Like you had a very big thing to live for and work for, and you had a dream and you wanted to make it happen. And that's what gives people a spark in life. And I I feel like just showing people this is something you could do is something we have to do. (laughs) So... From people your age, like what do you think we could be doing to get people into the trades? That's a big question. I know. You better have a big answer. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> <Gee>. <laughs> All right, let me reframe it. Let me make it a little bit less daunting of a question. When you were coming up, what exposure did you have to the trades? I grew up on a farm, and so I have always been surrounded by tractors or welding or
0: horses, you know, a hands-on, skilled type of work. We built a house while I was like 13, and so I grew up knowing how to do all this stuff. So for me, it kind of was already known, but even in the welding industry, you don't know what the opportunities are. One of the biggest issues is we're focusing on getting the numbers out and we're focusing on getting welders certified and get them in the field. And I think that's a good thing for some part of the industry. But for the rest of the industry, like for me, I could do way more than just a D11 certified welder because I've spent two years. So my value to industry is a lot higher than just like a trade school graduate. And so I think that we need to focus more on quality and the more that we focus on quality, the more that they're going to spend learning about all the actual opportunities that they have. I mean, trade schools and high schools are pushing go make $25
1: an hour and $25 an hour is nothing. It's really... I mean, it's something, but it is definitely, there's more out there. You know, that's way better than a lot of people come out of a four-year college and they go work a job for $10 an hour. You know, it's like, they can't find a job. But if you're a trades person, you have a skill that not many people have especially welding i, I love talking to people that aren't welders about welding because it, it, you look like a magician you know you like you're like yeah. oh there's an arc and you you just tell them little things about welding there's like that's insane and it's like no yeah. that's every day yeah that's the basics <laughs> yeah that's nothing people in schools they focus more on hey this is how you're going to pass this certification test so you could go get your job. I talked to someone at Fabtech, they were telling me how they run their school, it's like a fab shop. They run it just like a fab shop. We have different projects. One kid is the foreman. They switch it every week running it like what it would be like to work at a fab shop. And then okay, this week we're actually going to be a we're going to be industrial piping company and this is what we're going to do. I think that would be amazing. But it's also very difficult to try and get that across the minds of education, colleges yeah. and schools. It's more about got to get these kids to complete the course. It's all about success rate. I feel like welding and trades, it's don't worry about the success rate. We need to show all these different things. Help craft a welder, not just yep. show them how to weld. Craft them into the welder they're going to be. That is a big journey that you being young you could have a huge pull in that. And I think uh, welding competition has
0: a lot to do with it. In high schools, I mean, you should have a competitor. It's really not that expensive to the state competition. It's fairly cheap, but then you get that welder and you can start telling other kids, yeah, this is what he's doing. This is what he has the opportunities to do. He's putting in this amount of time and it'll get other kids like interested. They'll start thinking about it. Like, oh, where can I go?
1: Like, what can I do with welding? Even getting welding back into high schools, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of high schools used to have a welding class. You know, you could take metal shop, you could take wood shop and now those don't exist. And that's really hurting our country when it comes to skilled laborers like, like you can't a whole person's career in school saying, you know, you got to go to college, you got to go get your business degree, and then you gotta go get a high-paying job. That's pretty much what people are just fed from elementary school to going out into college. And that's something that we need to figure out. I like the idea of competitions, even if it's not skills USA or world yeah. skills, just more welding competitions for younger people. You know, just being like, Hey, you want your own rig? You know, you want, you're 16. It's like, if you could, you could have to be 16. So you could drive off in this rig that is just set up for you to go have a mobile welding business, things like that. Like there are people out there that have the money. We just got to get them to invest it into our industry and show how valuable our industry is. Mm part of it. um, I was talking to a couple of big
0: companies at Fabtech and they were saying that they have an allotted amount of money set aside for promotional competitions type stuff, but nobody approaches them to use it. And so as a, a welding community, we need to start reaching out to industry and getting the word out and letting them know that there's an opportunity to support the younger generation that they will be hiring. Industry and companies in industry have money to put into welding competition. And so we, as instructors, as schools, we need to get the word out and let them know what we're doing when the state competition is so they can come set up a booth. and. Bring your entire school to the state competition so that they can, like, let's make it a mini Fabtech so that the industry in your state gets to meet with the younger generation that's in high school and they get to show what they do and what opportunities are in your state. We limit ourselves. We limit ourselves. And it makes me so mad that we limit so much. Because there's so much opportunity out there.
1: There's music festivals everywhere. I mean, I dig it. I'm I'm a fan of music, but man, there should be like trade festivals or something like that. You know, it's like, hey, come on out. You see that big tent? It's not the circus, it's the welding experience. You know, it's just something like that. It's pretty much the circus. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely a circus when you get a whole bunch of welders together. Well, I've had an awesome chat with you. One thing I want to ask is for people that are new into the industry, like students or people just trying to get further in their trade, I ask people this every week. What is your biggest advice for people that want to progress into this field? If you for
0: sure know that you want to progress in this field, I think the biggest thing is setting yourself apart. You can't be afraid of work in this industry and you can't be afraid of putting in the hours and I think that biggest thing of being successful, not that you can't be successful with $25 an hour job, but being successful and setting yourself apart from the rest, you got to put in the work and you got to be hundred percent committed into what you're doing. That doesn't necessarily mean that you need to know exactly where you're going in the industry, but especially in school, you have an opportunity to better yourself as a welder and you've got instructors that are willing to help you. So you should util- utilize that to the max. And then if you do that and you set your Apart from the rest, there's endless opportunities for you.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of the weld.com podcast. If you haven't downloaded the weld app yet, what are you waiting for? When you become a premium member, you gain access to job boards and educational content that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, if you have a topic that you want me to cover on a future episode, you can reach out to me directly on the app. I'm Bo Wigginton, and until next time, we'll see you out there.